Disclaimer, we do not agree with or support Jake around bigotry and prejudice in any way, shape, or form, and we also don't tolerate Draco Sands or Death Eater sympathizers. However, they are very welcome to our podcast. Also, forewarn everyone that we will be mentioning later books and events in every episode, so here's your official spoiler warning. Enjoy the show! Ireland had a better team, but Bulgaria had a better seeker. So, sure, makes sense, but it's still too convenient. So, like, I hear you. It's too. It's that's too what I'd go back in the pensive and see how the hell they were planning this out. <laughs> yeah, it's like I get that it's too convenient, but that is like the simplest explanation I can think of that would explain it. Yeah. Um. But I just mean that, like, I was just shocked that, like, Ludo Bagman, like, it was just, like, honestly, he had a good cover for, like, being a crook. So, anyways. Um, wait. Wait. Huh? I just realized <laughs> this has nothing to do with the chapters we've been reading. But I was thinking about this the other day, okay? And I need you to take a ride with me, okay? Okay. Um, so, wizards wear robes, right? Yes. It's pretty established that they do not wear pants because the man says that he likes the breeze and, you know, like, they he doesn't understand what pants are in that. Yeah. So, how, maybe this, tell me this doesn't blow your mind, like, it blew mine, but they're wearing sweaters over robes. Like, that's a really odd thing to imagine. I think that robes are not explained well whatsoever in the series. No. But it's just, it's, because in the movie, they're just wearing the Weasley sweaters over, like, jeans. But, like, in reality, they're wearing it over robes, which seems weird. I want to see wizard fashion. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's all quite confusing. Um, Anyways, the trio decide that the most reasonable course of action is to go to Professor Moody and ask if he found Mr. Crouch. Ron asks for the second time in this chapter if Crouch disapparated, and Hermione, for the second time, loses it. Um, Moody does a fantastic job of throwing oh my him off the trail. <laughs> that, that scared they, me huh? so bad. Did your cat just meow? No. He's not in here. Who meowed? I swear to God, it sounded like you meowed. <laughs> and I was like, that was a little too realistic to come out of your mouth. That was not me. Okay. That's I'm so just weird. making Anyways. I'm just checking in. Anyways, Moody does a fantastic job of throwing them off his trail. Not that they could ever suspect anyone but Snape. Um, and he mm-hmm. warns Ron and Hermione to stick close to Harry. Sirius then sends Harry a very dad-like scolding letter, and Harry gets pissed in teenagery. Hermione tries to talk some sense into him, and he, of course, does not listen. No. Um, Ron and Hermione start helping Harry prepare for the third task, which is getting a lot closer. Um, Speaking of that, can we talk about how crazy it is that they are just now learning stupefy? I know. <laughs> That is so weird to me. Yeah. My phone... Yep, well, I'm getting the same messages, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, 
Okay, if you guys are hearing the constant vibrating of our phones, I'm very sorry. Um, yeah, and so Ron and Hermione help Harry prepare by letting him stun them over and over and over again. Um, then Professor Trelawney makes another appearance, and her class wow. is so boring that Harry falls asleep. He then has a really strange dream that I will summarize as quickly as possible in at least three <laughs> paragraphs. Um, he starts off by flying on the back of an owl, which, how is that possible? Anyways, yeah. uh, into it's big. House. Huh? It's a giant owl. I know, but that still seems weird. Anyways. No, you literally see it as the picture of this chapter. <laughs> yeah, but it's just... It, it freaks me out. I don't know. I'm sorry that it doesn't go by the anatomy of owls. Okay. I'm just saying that it's weird, okay? I'm not even going to argue with that. It's, it's weird. <laughs> Anyways, he flies on the back of an owl into a house where Wormtail and another figure, presumably Nagini, we do find this out about three seconds later, but at this point mm-hmm. it's just described as a shadowy figure, were laying on the floor. Voldemort's voice speaks to them and says that uh, Wormtail's blunder has not cost them everything and that he is dead, obviously Crouch. Um, mm-hmm. Wormtail begs for forgiveness and Voldemort lets Nagini know that she will not be eating Wormtail tonight. <laughs> Voldemort then begins to torture Wormtail as punishment and Harry wakes up to Ron yelling at him. Trelawney tries to talk Harry into allowing her I to I just gotta say his- huh? that if... Um, if Fantastic Beasts doesn't end with Nagini eating somebody, like, an important character, I don't want it. Like, I think it'd be so funny if Newt Scamander dies by Nagini eating him. Whole. I love that you had to add that. You're like, whole. Like, jaw unhinges and just consumes him. Like, no chewing. I mean, I don't think snakes chew. But... Just, like, swallow him. You know, because that's what snakes do. It is. <laughs> okay. Um. Uh. Yeah, so then Voldemort begins to torture Wormtail as punishment. And, yeah, Harry wakes up. Trelawney tries talking Harry into allowing her to analyze his dream, which he rightfully declines and leaves the class. He goes straight to Dumbledore, which is probably the only good idea he has had in this entire book. Yep. Then he has a little rage fit when he doesn't know the password and still (laughs) manages to guess the most predictable password of all time, cockroach clusters. Honestly, if Dumbledore was really worried about security, he wouldn't just have the password be a different kind of candy. Yeah. And how often is he updating this exactly? Um, uh, Uh. Okay, yeah. Um, Harry stands at the door and eavesdrops and overhears a conversation between Dumbledore, Moody, and the minister regarding the <gasps> disappearance of Bertha Jorkins and Mr. Crouch. No. Then Moody narks on Harry and is like, hey guys, just so you know, Harry's yeah, eavesdropping. Can we talk about how overpowered that eye is? Like, as he is talking, he's his eye is fully looking through his head and looking through the walls to see Harry behind that. Like, I mean, it's in character for Moody to be paranoid, but, like, maybe Barty Crouch Jr.'s just method acting or something. But, like, he's looking everywhere all the time if he just happens to see. Like, 
Can you imagine talking to somebody and their eye is fully in the back of their head? Like, not even looking at you. I also think that this conversation especially is causing Barty Crouch Jr. to be extra careful about who is listening because he knows that he killed Crouch. And he doesn't, like, just in case, I'm sure that he would not hesitate to use any means to get himself out of there if for some reason they found out or suspected that he had done it. And so it's not, it wouldn't have been smart of him to leave any room for any witnesses to anything regarding that because it's like it's extremely important to him right now that he at least gets Harry through the maze you Mm -hmm. know like that's his absolute top priority right now so I feel like anytime he's discussing Mr. Crouch with people above him like the minister and Dumbledore he probably feels like he has to be way extra careful just to make sure that god forbid anything comes to light that there's no one else who could possibly leave and knowing that that's the end of that chapter. That is a really short chapter. Yeah, I was surprised. It looks like I've written a lot of things, but, like, yeah. Um, okay, chapter 30, the pen Which is not as short at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, okay, Fudge... Okay, also, though, this is from the last page of chapter 29... Good for Dumbledore for telling Fudge that he is fully prejudiced against Madame Maxine. He literally goes, like, do you know what she is? And it's like, how is that a reason to suspect her of, like, being the reason that Crouch disappeared and that Crumb was stunned? And then Fudge is like, Dumbledore, I think you're biased for thinking she didn't do it because of Hagrid. And Dumbledore literally goes, I think you're the one that's prejudiced. So it's like... Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, Harry tells Fudge that he's wrong to suspect Madame Maxine. Um, Fudge ignores him, and the three adults leave to take a nice stroll on the grounds. Yeah, what the hell were they doing? They're just, like, having a picnic out there? Like, the, he's in there for a while. Dumbledore did say our inspection of the grounds, so I guess they're going back to the place where Crouch disappeared and Crumb was stunned. I know, but, like, what are they, they... They're still gone for a while. Are they just, like, looking around that spot and just, like, arguing, probably? Yeah. Do we really know how far it is from the castle? Like, how long, first of all, is the... Like, do we even know exactly where Dumbledore's office is within the castle? We have to account for the time it takes to it's... leave there. And they don't walk fast. They're, like, what, you know, they're, like old and so we have to account for the time it takes to walk from the office to the front door then out the front door and to the place and then account for the time that they spent looking at it and then the time to walk back yeah so the trip probably was half like walking there and back um i also have a question that like never really gets answered i guess what is like when you're looking into a pensive is your body just like unconscious looking into it like what is exactly like at some points it kind of seems like maybe their whole body goes into it but that wouldn't really make sense because like how would people know you're looking at a pensive like multiple people pull harry out in the series i think that like obviously when you're within a memory in the pensive your whole body's there with you because you like feel like your whole body is following you but i feel like that's some sort of like 
I guess, projection of your body, like, in, you know? Because mm-hmm. it's like your whole body is there with you, but it's not actually your physical body. Like, you're in a memory. So you yeah. become a sort of, like, I guess, just kind of, like, image of yourself. So it's, like, it's not, like, technically you're, like, physical body because I think that your body stays like bent over the pensive and that's how people can see you but it's like it doesn't your body doesn't move it's like rigid there until like I guess what the hell would you even call that is that their like quote-unquote soul or is it just like a, like it's just some part of yourself goes into the pensive and then your body is there and alive like your physical body but doesn't move at all and isn't aware until whatever is in the pensive comes back out Okay. Confusing, but, you know. Yep. Um, Harry says hi to Fox, which is nice, and then he kind of looks around Dumbledore's office for a sec, and then his attention is drawn to a strange stone oh. basin filled with silvery liquid, and his curiosity <laughs> gets the better of him, like it does every single time. Yep. Um, there's not a single time when Harry's like, oh, that's interesting. I'm just going to, like, not this time. I'm going to, like... Does Harry ever really think that he can't do anything? Harry is a privileged little shit. That's what he is. <laughs> oh, so funny. He doesn't think he um, can. He thinks he can literally get away with anything because he can. Um. Yeah. So Harry looks into the weird basin and sees a dimly lit courtroom he leans in further and falls into it okay but like if that was some sort of death trap he would be an idiot because like what are you doing sticking your face in weird mystery liquid and okay i'm sorry generally i don't think my first instinct is to stick my head in it i don't think (laughs) it would i think maybe like put a pinky toe in or something (laughs) like don't go with the full on head over it and (laughs) stick your I don't know, just stick, like, something yeah, else no, in I, it. I know what you're saying. It's just the image is funny. Just, like, I don't even think I'd put a body part in. I'd find, like, a big stick and, like, kind of just <laughs> push it in there and see if it does anything. Yeah, he's lucky that that wasn't some kind of death trap because he would literally be dead. And then he would yeah, be like, I think wow, sticking my head into it would, like, literally be my last resort. Like, I think I'd lick it before I put my head in it. <laughs> what do you think oh, the pensive would taste like? Because, like... Do memories taste like something? Do you think they taste like how you remember them? Does that make sense? Like, maybe if you put in a memory of you eating ice cream and then you licked that memory, would it therefore taste like ice cream? We're asking the real questions here. Um, yeah, that's like, are memories edible? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, like, what if you went in feet first into the pensive? Just, like, jumped above it? Yes. You would have to be really good at jumping to do that. Well, maybe you just, like, like, pull up a chair. You don't have to, like... (laughs) Just, like, tuck jump so... Yeah. Launch yourself so far off the ground and then just, like, fall into the pensive. Yes. I think there's a lot of fun ways they could do a pensive. Like, maybe you could just, like, full-on nosedive into the into the pensive. Honestly, if I had a pensive, what I would probably What if somebody get... made a pensive pool 
and you could just swim in memories. That would be so fun. Honestly, if I had a pensive, I would probably, falling into it seems like fun, so I'd probably spend my time just, like, finding different ways to, like, jump into it. Because <laughs> that's the most useful thing to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, okay, so Harry falls into the pensive, and he lands next to a younger Dumbledore, and then immediately realizes that no one can see him or feel him. Uh, he proceeds to watch the appeal trial of Professor Karkaroff, where he turns in several of his Death Eater associates in exchange for freedom, which he is not granted, because he is unable to provide useful information, and he's sent back to prison. Harry is then transported to another memory, in the same courtroom, but another occasion. This time, dun-dun-dun-dun, Ludo Bagman's being wow. questioned. Wow. Wow. He is said to have been caught passing information to the Death Eaters, which he denies, of course. Um, then Ludo Bagman's like, I was trying to get into the ministry. And Crouch is like, the day you join the ministry will be a very sad day for all of us. That was a um, really good impression. Thanks. Honestly, you sounded just like the guy from the movie. I know, right? <laughs> um, it's all the theater school. It's really yep. paying off. <laughs> um then the courtroom dissolves and reappears again. This time, Mr. Crouch's wife is present as her son is brought in for trial for the torture of Frank and Alice Longbottom. As Mr. Crouch reads the proceedings, his son starts begging him for mercy and insists that he didn't do anything. We yeah. also meet Bellatrix for wait, the first wait, time. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Um, so, I'm a little lost. So... He goes into these memories specifically because these are the most recent ones that Dumbledore has put in because he's thinking about it. I believe so, yeah. So, how exactly does that work? Because, like, it's a pool of memories. It's not just, like, stacked on top of each other. So, like, he really could be going into any memory. Yeah, I think... Because, of course, of the magical qualities of the Pensieve, in, like, in a way, I think it maybe would just play them back in most recent order, because I guess it assumes that the most I just, like, recent thing you I think in it, is something you'd want to observe. I mean, this was very convenient for Harry that he just gets these all in order, but, like, yeah. if, if the Pensieve is on, like, autoplay, this could have ended really badly. Like, <laughs> Dumbledore is showing him, like, Tom Riddle stuff in the six books and then something, his memory of him and Grindelwald comes up and <laughs> Harry, they have to get out of there quickly. You know, like, what, that could have ended really badly. Colin, what are you saying about You know Tom exactly Riddle. what I'm saying. Oh god. Okay, but also, I doubt that it would just immediately go into it. Like, there has to be some kind of, like, lead up where they would know, like, oh, this is not the one. Well, they would have time. You never know. Maybe he was specifically thinking about. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (sighs) You kept on prying. This is not my fault. (laughs) Okay, anyways. Um, Also... I know that Crouch is very much like a, sorry, um, (sighs) like not expressive person, (laughs) but to like completely have no reaction to your son screaming at you begging for mercy, even if he was guilty, is kind of terrifying. Yeah. 
like to have no physical or emotional response to it is like it's just yeah. weird to me. I also realize I've not said any of my notes. So for this chapter. So I'm just going to start uh I love that the Department of Mysteries is mentioned in this chapter. I think that's so cool. Um, also, uh, are we meant to believe Karkaroff didn't know Snape was a double agent? Because that seems a little weird to me. What do you mean? Because he... We had... Well, there's the moment where he says that Snape is the Death Eater and Crouch goes, no, Dumbledore has said that he's a double agent and he's actually working for us. But, like, surely he would know that Snape would is a double agent even if he thought he was working for Voldemort. So, like, why is it such a surprise to him that they would think that? Um, honestly, though, it's like, we don't know if Voldemort's tactics with secrecy changed since the first time around. So I would be willing to, like, believe that while everyone knew the second time around okay that especially goes with the fact that everything came out in court everything came out like in all of that when Dumbledore sticking up for him so everyone had to know it was no use lying about it um lying about him being a double agent but like I feel like maybe the first time around Voldemort may have been more intent on keeping that kind of stuff secret um so I think it's possible, especially also, we don't know where Karkaroff was in the chain of, like, Death Eaters. You know, we don't know how close he was to Voldemort. And I think it's reasonable to assume that he may not have been that close to him. And he may have been someone that Voldemort didn't consider important enough to, like, tell yeah. something like that. Um, Bellatrix is so cool. That's it. What'd you say? Bellatrix is so cool. Oh. That's it. Um, yeah. even knowing the truth of the situation, Barty Crunch's Ju- Barty Crunch Jr.'s trial is, like, still very sad. Like. Yeah. It's. He, he's literally screaming for him. And still, Crouch has, like, no remorse. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Also, I find that I have found, like, in reading this book and stuff, like, Crouch is very much someone who I'm sure never took accountability for anything a day in his life. And, like, honestly, he, in raising Barty Crouch Jr. and being the way that he is, played a huge part in Barty Crouch Jr. seeking another group of people who would treat him differently than his father did. Like, Barty Crouch Sr. was so unemotional and so uninvolved in his son's life. Like, I think it's clear to see that he was so obsessed with gaining power at the ministry and just being the most wealthy and the best. And, like, he just, he clearly spent no honest time with his son. And so I think that, like, and of course he never really took accountability for it until the day we see him in the forest after he's gone insane but like neglecting your children will many many times lead to them seeking out a group of people who will validate them and treat them as if they're important and a lot of times especially in this universe that means death eaters because the more you do for them the more they give to you in return and barty crouch jr who probably never felt what it was like to have 
a man or like a father figure in his life like ever give him anything except like like Barty Crouch Sr. clearly neglected his family for their entire lives and while I'm sure Mrs. Crouch loved her son and treated him better than Crouch did it's like it's not enough to like have an entire side of your parents just completely ignore you and so it's like I feel like if Barty Crouch like Barty Crouch it was so preventable it was so Mm -hmm. preventable because it's like yeah, he could have prevented it so easily with just being there for his family and paying attention to his son. And him for him to disown him in the courtroom in front of everyone is pretty terrible of him. Because, like, while we know Barty Crouch Jr. did it, he's not exempt from criticism because he literally tortured or assisted in torturing Frank and Alice into insanity. Like, that was all him. That was his choice. However... Like, I'm sure I've said many times, children are a product of their environment, and if his environment was cruel and cold and just completely devoid of emotion, like, that is, those are exactly the kind of people he was going to seek out later in his life. He sought out people who were devoid of emotion, and but who would also pay attention to him and give him things that he wanted. And so it's like... Barty Crouch Sr. played a direct role in his son becoming a Death Eater, yet instead of taking accountability for that, he chose to publicly disown him at his own trial and ignore when his son was, like, calling for him. Like, his wife collapsing in the courtroom is one of the worst things I think I've read in this series. Like... It was, yeah, and the fact that she's the one who sacrificed for herself for him in the end and died in Azkaban for him, it's, like, the entire situation is, like, terrible. I never know how to follow that up. How huh? am I, I never know how to follow that up because I always look like an idiot and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Like, what am I supposed to say? That was quite an excellent point, my lady. Um, now, <laughs> continuing. Okay, um, but yeah, we meet Bellatrix. Fun. Yeah. She's legitimately one of the most evil people in this series, but, like, she's so awesome. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, I don't actually love her because she's, like, yeah, a horrible person. But like, not. <laughs> but, like, she's so, like... Yeah. Yeah. And um, she's Helena Bottom Carter. Like she's wonderful. She's so good. <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah, so after Harry watches all of this unfold, the current Dumbledore suddenly appears next to Harry and pulls him back to the present. That would scare um, the shit out of me. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> um Dumbledore surprisingly not really though isn't upset at harry for intruding on his personal memories and explains the uses of the pensieve which is apparently just when you have too much stuff in your brain you can just take it out colin i swear to god if you don't stop making that face (laughs) what Um, you don't like the yassified face no okay in so many years when people are listening to this and they hear you say yassified it's gonna be so oh my god i could not even imagine (laughs) But that's already, we already have 
an episode called Gaslight Gatekeep Gridolo, and that has already <laughs> aged terribly. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um <laughs> It literally yeah, so... aged by the time we published the episode. Yep. Yeah, it's fine. Um they briefly discuss Bertha Jorkins, and then Harry recounts his dream to Dumbledore. During this visit, Dumbledore also shares that he believes that Harry's scar is evidence of a connection to Voldemort. I can't believe he did not go into more detail at this time. Because it's like, this? Him explaining this connection and treating Harry like a capable human could have <laughs> saved so much time and probably Sirius's life. Yeah. Like, I... I, understand. I mean, yeah, this is literally the chapter that basically causes all of the fifth book to happen, when you think about it. Yeah, because it's like, okay, I understand wanting to protect Harry. Yes, he's 14. Yes, he's very young. However, he's been dealing with all of this stuff since he was 11 years old. And to not treat him as if he's capable enough to understand these things and cope with them is ridiculous and in extremely insulting to him and his maturity like yeah he's a 14 year old boy he's kind of an idiot for most of this book but like to assume that like oh he can't handle it it would freak him out like how is him being afraid for a minute more important than him like saving his own life and other people's so i just don't literally this chapter could have made the difference in like serious living yeah. And I just think that's annoying. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was an quite excellent point made. <laughs> I just transferred between five different accents. And <laughs> all of those people just stopped listening. Those five people who you just yes. imitated. Um... Dumbledore also shares that he is not sure whether he believes Voldemort is growing more powerful, which I do not believe for a second. I think that is Dumbledore again being like, "Oh, he's just a kid. Let's not freak him out." He's just a little piss baby. He can yeah. he can do it, little bitch baby. You can do it, your little self. <laughs> Get up on your own two feet. Him not telling Harry right now that Voldemort is very close to gaining a body again and power again also could have killed him. Like, I, I will never understand him not thinking that it is most productive to make sure that Harry is 100% completely as prepared as possible for everything that he's about to face. <laughs> Would you stop doing that? What? Okay, this is just turned into me saying things and you playing with emojis on FaceTime. I'm sorry. I don't know what to add. Okay, anyways. Um, they then discuss what Harry saw in the Pensieve, and this is when Harry learns about Neville's past and why he's been raised by his grandmother. Um, Dumbledore also confirms that Bagman has never again been suspected of illegal activity, neither has Snape. Um, and then this chapter, weirdly enough, ends with Dumbledore wishing Harry luck on the third task. I know. I literally seems kind of out of character. It's, it's just kind of to push the next chapter forward, I guess. 
to yeah, remind you love- that it's happening. Yeah, it's kind of funny because right when that happens, Harry's like, "Oh yeah, I forgot that was like a thing." Yeah. She's like, <laughs> she's like, dude, you kind of. Ron and Hermione are going out of their way to help him on this. Like, they're sacrificing, like, everything to help him with this. Ron and Hermione, especially Hermione, always do that. Yeah. (sighs) See? Pretentious little douchebag whose privilege clouds him from ever doing anything for anybody. Okay. Sorry. Time for trivia! Time for trivia! Okay, can I go first? No. What curse causes your opponent (laughs) to slow them down before it tries to attack you? Wait, hold on. Your audio cut out at the beginning. What'd you say? I'm going. I'm asking my question. No, I know, but your audio cut out, so I didn't hear it. What curse causes your opponent to slow down before it tries to attack you. I know I read this part. I Um, want you to know there is only ever four things you say whenever I ask a question. Shit. I know this. Come on. I just read this. Um... I'm forgetting the other ones. Fuck is one of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> something like, I hate you for this. Like, I don't know. Go. No. <laughs> okay. The impediment curse. What? The impediment curse. Oh, my God. I'm so... But you're... Oh, I'm so that. pissed. Okay, That's what you say. Okay. Um, when Ron, Harry, and Hermione were in the Owlery, Fred and George arrived talking about blackmail. The door burst open, and two people said, What are you doing here? At the same time, who were they? Do I get a point for getting one person? What? Do I get a point for getting one person? Yes. Ron. Yes. George. No. Fred. Yes, but... (laughs) Nope, never mind. That's two points. No, I just confused myself. Good job. Thank you. Go ahead. Mars was making a fascinating angle to what planet? Neptune? Yes! I had the same question. Oh! Oh, do I go? Okay. I'm okay. Huh? Are you going or am I going? No, I'm going. Okay. Go. What is the first type of candy Harry guesses Dumbledore's password to be after lemon drop? After, 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 after. Um. <laughs> um. Your audio is not working. <laughs> no, I think that's what I genuinely sounded like. Um. <laughs> lemon drop. I know I read this. Licorice something. No. Am I not even... Chocolate frog. No. Sesame you seed bun. You just twice. You I'm just, just guessed twice. No! So you lose a point. 
And then I give up. Okay, go ahead. I give up. I give up. I can't hear you at all. I give up. I give up. Please. Please. Teardrop. Okay. Teardrop? Yep. I've never even heard of that before. Yeah, I know. That's why I chose it. (laughs) What kind of owl is Harry writing in his dream? A barn owl? No. (laughs) Wait, what? No. No! I can't. Okay. I couldn't hear you. Okay, then I give up. Eagle. What? Eagle! I can't hear you. Eagle! Okay. 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 Go! I still can't hear you. It's fine. Go! Describes fox as being the same size as what other bird? Toucan. I'm just kidding. What? I'm trying to guess. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Peacock. Peacock. <laughs> I can't hear you. <laughs> Did you just say peacock? <laughs> Okay, well, you would be wrong. <sighs> Turkey. I do not recommend guessing again nope. because you have one point, and if I you didn't get it guess. wrong, then you lose your point. I didn't guess it, so go. Okay. I'm done. It's a swan. Ah, oh, that makes sense. How many times did Harry guess Dumbledore's password? <laughs> Six. No. No, I'm not guessing again. Nine. Nine! What? Nine! 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 Okay. Nine! Nine! Okay. Okay, okay. What Death Eater is responsible for gouging a piece of Mo- out of piece of Moody's nose? Dollahoff? No. Oh. The call just ended. Hi. Um, Armin. Did no. you guess Dolohov? Yes. Okay. Are you guessing again? Are you going to risk no, I'm losing your up. point? No, I'm giving up. I'm giving up. Rosier. Okay. Your favorite. Um, what is Ludo's actual name? Ludovic? Yes. Okay. Do you have another question? No. What? No! <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, <sighs> today... <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Today, I won two to one, so... Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ron and Hermione Minus a Romance when I could not hear Colin a quarter of the episode. Um, we hope you come back next time. And feel free to shoot us an email at vulcanoutbones at gmail or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks. No!